Welcome to the Fifth Estate. They bring you the story. We bring you the truth. The Fifth Estate is the news behind the headlines, holding those in power in check. And now, with the real story, here's Cameron Blewett. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me here on this a bit of a while. Uh, since I've uh, had a bit of a rant on a podcast by myself, uh, but I thought I would be mainly because of the things that have happened over the weekend, and I think the the impact that it's going to have on uh, the the wider community. Now, I'm hoping that um, the potential predictions that I make are only that, that they're just going to be continually labelled as a, um, you know, something that, that's not going to happen, though we'll just have to wait and see. Now, I'm not going to get into the details of what happened because I'm sure most listeners are aware of what's happened um, in Queensland. I think it was Monday night. Uh, but with that, the, the bit that's interesting is that the media isn't focusing so much on uh, the mental health issues of the individuals and you know it was first reported that they did have mental health issues or you know or their drug use they're, they're just avoiding them uh, and they're going straight on to the uh, the claim that these people are conspiracy theorists they uh, went on forums they did this they did that and everything else so um, let, let's make it clear, posting on forums isn't going to end the world. Being conspiracy theorist isn't going to end the world. Um, I mean, you know, like what, there was a period of time where uh, if you believed in UFOs or anything like that, you were deemed a, a conspiracy theorist. Um, now, on a bit of a side note, speaking conspiracy theorists, um, the I think they've released 11,000 pages or something like that from the JFK assassination. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that over the next week or so uh, and once people get to read it uh, and to see if there is, uh, if the information put out is, you know, satisfies people's views and, and, and theories and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Now, going back to this other thing, there's, there's so much that we're not being told um, and it, it's hard to say. I mean, where, where do you begin with it? Um, I think that what we really need to accept and understand is that we're never going to find out the truth. Um, you know, this is uh, something that's going to be covered up by the various government levels of government. Uh, the What we're going to see is going to be an accepted narrative that will help push an agenda uh, of the the establishment and the powers that be uh, from that part. So, you know, it, it's yeah. I mean, there's there's just so much to get into and so much to go. I mean, where do you begin with it? I mean, first of all, um, why were four officers sent out? Um, you know, is it something that they send four out to a welfare check for missing persons. My understanding is they don't. Um, so, and there's that. Um, what happened? Why did they jump the fence? What 
you know, what pushed him to jump the fence. I mean, and, you know, this is stuff that we're never going to hear about um, and everything like that. So um, I think the the lack of transparency, which is going to happen, uh, is it's going to make things worse and it's going to um, foster or, or uh, create their own conspiracy theories with regards to uh, what's going on and, and what happened. So, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's one of those things is that we're never going to know the truth. Um, the government by no means is going to release the body camera footage, which, you know, in, in tra- openness and transparency, they should they should also release the um, coroner's reports uh, and, and, you know, the, the full full information of everything that happened um, and all that sort of stuff. So I think I might comment on a bit later on um, once the dust settles and, and a, a better picture is coming out because it, it's the thing. It's the what is this being set up for, um, you know, what's coming next. Now the Home Affairs Minister, Claire O'Neill, has indicated or she's dead certain that uh, radicalization is part of the problem. Now, first of all, why is the Home Affairs Minister commenting about something that was a uh, domestic situation with regards to the state of Queensland? This isn't an act of terrorism, regardless of, of what anyone thinks, because they weren't trying to push an ideological message. They weren't trying to push anything. They weren't trying to change anyone's uh, views or anything. Um, so it was something that happened on private property in Queensland um, for that. So, you know, for the Home Affairs Minister to get in indicates that there's going to be some sort of uh, pushback at the federal level, whether it comes down to the uh, censoring of websites or whether it is involved with um, people having to, um, you know, have some sort of ID when they post things online. Um, you know, I mean, you know, thanks to uh, Malcolm Turncoat um, that, you know, we already had, the law enforcement already has access to all the metadata, so we'll have to wait and see if that brings out anything significant. Um, if it does, I mean, honestly, you've got to um, be sceptical of everything that comes out with this. Now, this is just saying... Uh, simply because the government over the last couple of years hasn't shown us that they are transparent and and respectful or even honest with what they do. So why should we be, you know, think that they're going to change their tune now? Now, the other point that I do want to raise is that, uh, you know, it's entirely possible that this situation was created to um, shift focus away from the failures of, um, what was it, that, that DNA lab in Queensland. Um, can't remember the name of it. Uh, but, you know, it's to shift focus from that because people have been talking about that for the last couple of months. Now that this has happened, everyone's forgotten about it. And even going on to that one, um, Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk was looking at changing the legis- the double jeopardy le- legislation in Queensland to allow people to be tried again um, for crimes that they may have been um, found not guilty of or, or anything like that. 
um, due to the, the stuff ups in, in this um, medical facility. So, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, you know, it's that there's there's just so many things that it could be, um, so many things that it could be linked to, and and everything like that. It's just hard to know where to begin. Uh, But moving on to other things, uh, the election election results in Victoria have uh, been announced and whilst it is a disappointing result for the upper house, uh, for Victorians with regards to the makeup of the upper house, a couple of things that are interesting. Now, we know uh, Andy Medic lost his seat. Uh, he wasn't successful. When did he get bumped out? Oh, it doesn't say. Um, uh, but yeah, he got bumped out. But if you have a look at his vote, he got uh, 1.73% of the primary vote. Whereas if you have a look at the 2018 election, uh, where was it? I had all these things before and you move away from something and it just disappears, there we go, uh, he had 2.71%. Now that his votes dropped out there, um, that's potentially concerning uh, for the Animal Justice Party, though it could be that, uh, you know, why would you vote for the Animal Justice Party when there's other parties that you could vote for? Um, it could also be that... Uh, people who were going to vote for the Animal Justice Party have moved away because of uh, his involvement with um, uh, the the Andrews regime and the legislation that you know essentially stuffed us up. Um, so there's that. Um, what else was there? From what I've been able to see, the Animal Justice Party vote has dropped um, through all regions now, even. <laughs> Northern Victoria, uh, Georgie Purcell has got um, a seat in the upper house in, in that region and she only got 1.53% of the primary vote, um, which, you know, shows you how these preferences, um, the, the preference deals that they do, how that benefits these parties. Um, you know, is that going to change? I don't think so. Andrews wants to keep it in. I don't think that uh, he'll be... It'll be one of those bargaining things that he'll want or he'll accept from the crossbench, uh, despite what they want to push. I think it's going to be um, it's going to be uh, you know something that you know we're going to see cannabis legalised. There's going to be something that's done that um, for that so. Sorry, just looking at a whole lot of other stuff in the Daily Mail and um, it actually is what I wanted to talk about. So, But um, with, with that, yeah, there is change. I mean, I think after this term when Victorians see how far to the left Victoria goes, hopefully they wake up um, and you know, make a change now. My concern is is that obviously there's going to be an increase in the uh, age of criminal responsibility and I don't disagree with that as I've, I've said previously. 
I'd like to see that raised to, you know, 16 or 18 um, to the point of where, you know, and, and, you know, obviously there's, there's cases where it can be proven if you've got malicious intent then you get tried as an adult and all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, move it to the age of 18, um, which is when people are adults. Um, they have legal responsibility and all that sort of stuff. So have no qualms in it being raised that high. Um, I also think have concerns that at the state level there's going to be an inquiry or some sort of um, panel discussion or whatever they call it into lowering the voting age uh, because we know the, the watermelons want that at the federal level so they'll be pushing the states uh, to bring that in um, for that. So that'll be something that'll be coming up as well. Uh, and there's going to be a whole lot of, of disastrous policies. So, you know, once hopefully people realise that uh, things are going to get a shitload worse in Victoria over the next couple of years, that there'll be a swing. My only concern is is that if there is a swing back at the next election, it's going, the pendulum is going to be a hard swing because it's been pushed to the left for so long. When you let go of it, it's going to swing back hard and... Um, you know, do we want to go that far? Um, I do, you know, fully accept and, and agree that a lot of the legislation needs to be wound back um, or even um, repealed uh, in Victoria, you know, on all sorts of things that, that supposedly makes us a progressive state. Now, you know, a couple of things that I'd, I'd like removed um, is the voluntary assisted dying. Now, as I've said before in the past, I think, you know, it's an individual's, uh, their life, it's their choice and their decision what they do with their life, how they live it and how they end it. Uh, what I don't agree with is the state getting involved uh, because once the state gets involved, then that's the centralisation of power because the state gets to decide um, for things like that. Um, and yeah, and But that's the other thing too is that with the amount of people who have died, who have accessed that, I think it was just under a 1,000, uh, for the last um, financial year that, you know, it's at what point does it become genocide? Um, because it's been slowly increasing uh, over the last couple of years, you know, since it started in, what, uh, 1920, 1920 um, for that. And there's the other thing too, is it are we going to go down the path of Canada where people can apply to be you know to have state state sanctioned suicide for any reason um we've heard reports I mean, i've seen reports of um people who are disabled and the government turns around or the health service turns around and says hey we can't provide you that but hey we can help you end your life um we've there's been stories floating around that children are able to access it because they're depressed and i mean you know this is a thing it's just like holy shit man um I don't know if Andrews would be game enough to push that in Victoria, though there's supposed to be a review coming up of the voluntary assisted dying uh, legislation. I, I'm not sure whether it's next year or the year after, but they're supposed to be coming up a review, so it's going to be in this term. Uh, what happens after that is going to be interesting to see whether the uh, controls are tightened um, or whether they're loosened, which I've, I have a feeling it's going to be loosened because we know that the government doesn't give a shit about people's lives. 
what they're concerned about, and, and especially with all the money that they're spending, they're going to need to find saving somehow. And the easiest way to find a saving is to bump off the people who'll be a burden on the healthcare system. So, you know, think about it. If it costs you, you know, twenty thousand dollars a year to, or you know, actually it'd be way more than that. Let's say, for argument's sake, it costs you fifty thousand dollars a year to look after one person. That's on, you know, on you know, near the end, reaching the end of their life. Um, the government would they turn around and say, "Well, bang, time for you to go." I mean, Bill Gates has turned around, and that's one of his things: is death boards, where it's a panel that decides who gets to live and who gets to die um, to save costs, rising costs in healthcare. So you know, that's the thing. Is that something that's going to be coming soon? Is that something that the Andrews regime is going to look at? And who knows? Uh, having a little cup of, um, uh, what is it, turmeric, turmeric latte, whatever they call it, uh, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's it, it's going to be one of those things. Is we'll just have to see how progressive Andrews wants to make it, and with a clear majority in the lower house uh, and a very left leaning upper house, um, it will be interesting to see now. Uh, Georgie, Georgie Purcell has gone on record saying she wants um, duck shooting and jumps racing ended. Um, I think her chances of that are Buckley's and none. Uh, if Andy Medic couldn't do it in his term when his vote was more uh, needed than what hers is, I can't see any chance of, of her getting one across. Now, Andy Medic did put in a Facebook post uh, where is it? He's deleted the post, so he's deleted his profile. So I'm looking at this from the AJP website, uh, AJP Victoria Facebook page. Um, there's. He's, he's looking at, um, because Georgie got in, he wants her to continue. Ah, oh, there you go. Uh, there's much more to come. Um, the majority from the work we've already done is just waiting in the wings. The constant in all that time has been Georgie Purcell, whose task it is now to make sure the commitments made to me are delivered. Now, what are those commitments? Um, and let's, you know, let's hear what those commitments are. And, um, you know, I, is it going to be an end to duck shooting? Is it going to be an end to what? Um, so, yeah, it's, I think it, it's something that we do need to be aware of. Uh, I don't think that there's any chance of the Andrews regime honouring those commitments uh, because what bargaining piece is there now? Um, there's no need for them to, to follow up with it. Uh, so, yes, it'll be... It'll be one of those things interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years. Now, what I wanted to get onto before uh, was the um, New, Zealand, New Zealand case where it went to the High Court, uh, where the High Court signed over care of a baby uh, to his paediatric heart surgeon and cardiologist for surgery. Uh, this has happened because the parents refused. Uh, to have a transfusion with vac vaccinated blood. Now, 
Um, obviously went to the High Court and the High Court turned around and said, no, you, we can take your baby off you and sign it up to the care of the heart surgeon and cardiologist uh, for that though. But it's the thing is that, remember, uh, as, as with this, is that there was a number of donors who were willing to give blood and they weren't, you know, they were unvaccinated and they were willing to give blood. So it's not that there was a lack of uh, suitable blood there. It was that um, the hospital turned around and said, no, you'll play by our rules, otherwise we're going to take our kids off, take your kids off you. Now, um, I hate to see something like this happen out in Victoria or even Australia, uh, but it's only going to be a matter of time. Um, and to to watch the footage of that, um, of, of the baby, of the parents, and, and the cop is just standing there, um, you know, it's, as a parent, I don't think I would be as calm as they were, um, understanding why they are, because as soon as you respond in any way, it gives them what they want uh, and it allows them to reinforce the narrative. Um, but, you know, as I've ranted elsewhere, um, every one of those coppers who was in that footage and who participated in that, every shop in the area should be turning around and saying, no, you're not welcome. You're not welcome here because you're not protecting the citizens. You're just enforcing what the state decides. Now, I don't give a shit about the high court. Um, the coppers could have turned around and said, no, we're not going to enforce it. And then what? Um, for that, so, you know, this is the thing. And going along with the, as you'd be aware of, the, the anarchistic um, viewpoint of, of that I'm, I'm developing and is slowly uh, increasing, um, it, it's the thing is that we need to stop kidding ourselves that um, the... Um, Police are there to protect and serve, or they're there to protect us, or they're anything like that. They're there to serve as the enforcement arm of the state. Um, pure and simple as that. We've seen that in Victoria time and time and time and time again uh, for that, um, that they've just served and they've just enforced the rules of the state. Now they've got discretion on everything, and um, yeah, it, it's, it's the thing. I think. Shops need to start responding um, when you see someone uh, do something like that. Just turn around and say, that's it. We're not going to serve you. We refuse you entry. Um, and as a private establishment, you're entitled to refuse entry to anyone you want. You don't have to serve someone just because they come up to the counter and put money on it. You can refuse service to them. Uh, because it's your right. Um, we've seen those signs everywhere, you know, no shirt, no shoes, no service um, and, and all that sort of stuff. So um, we've seen, I mean, I've seen places that have refused to accept cash because they want uh, electronic transactions um, for that. So, you know, just turn around and say, you know, no, that's it and I, you know, it's the thing, and I'm not saying get violent or aggressive towards these people, just saying, no, you're not welcome in this store. You're not welcome in this shop. And it's the thing is that the more that these things happen to people, like especially to, to the enforcement arm of the state, um, and, you know, whether it's 
authorised officers of a Department of Health or anything like that, the more these people will go back to their superiors or they will think twice about, you know, being involved with something. Um, and, you know, I know you'll there, there'll be things, oh, but so-and-so's a good one. Well, can you really be a good one in a corrupt organisation? Um, and if you are one of the good ones, what are you doing to... Um, you know, to hold those who are corrupt to account. Uh, you know, take, for example, that copper who um, did that tackle on someone and cracked his head into the ground. Now, those, the two PSOs that were there, supposedly this guy was mouthing off at him. It, words, like he was mouthing off at him, big deal. Um, he posed no, at that time, no threat to the PSOs, he wasn't in a menacing manner, he wasn't doing anything. All he would do is just watch the footage and yet he was picked up and he was crashed into the ground. Um, you know, PSOs are armed. Uh, they've got all sorts of stuff there. So does it really need someone to be crashed, you know, tackled into the ground and, you know, almost speared into the ground um, for that? So, you know, let's say, oh, you know, there's a good one. Well, did anyone arrest that copper? And as I've put out uh, and mentioned on Twitter as well, now let's remember, hopefully this guy is found guilty. So if he's found guilty, I'd love to see Victoria Police turn around and put a firearms prevention order, a prohibition order or whatever the FPOs are called uh, on this guy because he was armed at the time that he did that. So, and, and that was the thing. So if it's good enough for the bikies, then it's good enough for the coppers. He broke the law. He, he was armed at the time that he, he committed the offence. So, you know, let's let's see. Let's see the same thing applied across to them as well. Um, so, yeah, what else is there? Um, actually, something I did want to rant about. Now, um, unbeknownst to a lot of people, um, I applied recently to join the CFA, um, went through all the, the bullshit processes and everything like that. Now, it came out um, last week that um, I was contacted and said, oh, no, you need to provide your residential address. And I said, no, I have concerns about providing my residential address where it'll be accessible by whomever. Uh, it'll be on a database somewhere. Now, let's be clear, you know, people, organisations do have my residential address. I'm not trying to hide it from the government or anything like that. <coughs> oh, sorry. Um, I just wanted restricted. I want to control who has that address. I just don't, don't want it out there willy-nilly. So anyway, uh, and was told that, hey, it, it's uh, mandated, it's mandatory that you have to provide it. Um, hang on. I have to cough again. Hang on. Oh, I think I'm back. Um, hang on. Hmm. Uh, sleeping sounds are good to hear. When you got earphones in or earbuds in, uh, listening to a podcast. Hopefully you're listening at least at a um, souped-up speed so you only heard the slurping sounds for a little bit. But anyway, going back to the story uh, and was told that, hey, you know, it's mandatory. And I said, why is it mandatory? Oh, because it just is. It's policy. You need to provide it. I said, well, I don't, you know, I'm a, a silent elector because I have concerns about my safety, et cetera, et cetera. And what other options are there? Uh, there isn't, we need your residential. I said, why? You've got my postal address. I've given you my PO box. So if you need to send something out to me, 
There's that, oh, just be aware that, you know, if you don't provide it, your application to join may be rejected. And I said, well, that's fine. I, I fully accept that. So anyway, came out that it was rejected. Um, got an email from volunteer recruiting saying that your application has been unsuccessful. So I've responded to that and uh, expressed that, hey, you know, concerns about my safety. And mind you, this is the day after, or the, I said it yesterday, so that was the same day that FRV Victoria, Fire Rescue Victoria had their system, their system was down, uh, their IT system was down because of a cyber attack. Uh, so they couldn't um, do whatever it is that they had to do. Um, was it Harold's son? Um, hang on, I'll see if I can find that article. Bear with me for a minute. Um, there you go. Fire Rescue Victoria blames cyber attack for dispatch system uh, outage. Uh, fires, Victoria's firefighting service says a cyber attack has disrupted its dispatch and email systems, forcing firefighters to rely on radios and mobile phones when responding to emergencies. Uh, Fire Service Victoria confirmed it had been the victim of a cyber attack a day after announcing its automatic uh, dispatch system had gone down. Um, preliminary investigations confirm it. this has been a cyber attack by an external third party and that FRV systems are impacted. Uh, the outage uh, has affected most of the emergency services IT systems, including its network, email and dispatch. So that's the thing. Um, mm. You know, you have to provide your details for that. We've seen what happened with Optus and Medica, uh, Medibank. Um, for their hacks where that information was going to be put out. I mean, far out. I mean, how easy would it be to, and I'm not telling anyone to do it, but I'm just saying, you know, someone get into CFA um, details and they turn around and, and just leak all that information. So anyway, um, so I did turn around and say, well, hey, you know, what um, options are there? Um, I said, I provided a personal address and would like to know if there's any way around this without having to provide my residential address. Um, so good afternoon. Thank you for your time and joining, blah, blah. Um, a CFA mandatory requirement is that you provide your residential address, which is missing in your application. This was then followed up by one of my team members. However, you refused to provide the mandatory residential address. Based on this outcome, your application to join the CFA has been unsuccessful. CFA has strong values and we continue to focus significant energy on standards, behaviour standards, that align to community to build strong and resilient brigades. It is our values that anchor and guide us. They guide our interactions and decision-making and play an important role in shaping a positive organisation. I wish you the well in your future endeavours. Like, first of all, what the hell does that... CFA has strong values. What does that... What relevance does that have to do with anything? Um... Why is it a mandatory requirement? Why? Why do I need to provide my address? For, for what reason? To make sure I'm in the area? Well, what? I'll just give a fake address that's in the area then. Um, so, and, and hasn't been able to do it. So, um, going back to the thing, um, what do you do? Do you fight it? Do you turn around and say, well, hey, that's fine. I'll just ignore it. Mind you, remember... The CFA all over Victoria is screaming for members. Um, and so 
you know, are they really in a position to be turning around saying, no, you can't join because you won't provide your residential address? Or is it the fact that they want people that conform, will conform, and if you fill out every box, then you're shown to be conforming, and all, and that's what they want. They don't want um, people who are competent to do the job. They want people who will conform and do what they're told. Not saying that I wouldn't in that situation, though I'm just saying that why? Why is it dependent on my residential address? Uh, so we'll just have to see. But anyway, um, I will contact my local member in the, um, in the lower house and then uh, see, not that I'm holding my breath, uh, and I'll you know, also raise it with the um, upper house, a local member in the upper house and see what goes on there. But, you know, this is the thing. I'm, I'm still going to keep pushing. Um, I think it's something that, needs to change. Um, having a residential address is uh, an archaic thing. Um, what you need to make sure I live in the zone. But, and, you know, by the other side of the coin, I mean, you know, if I can turn up to um, call-outs, then I obviously live in the zone. I live, you know, close enough to be able to respond to it. If I don't respond to it, just give me, you know, give me 12 things to respond to. If I don't respond to any over the whatever period of time it is, well, then boot me out. Just say, mate, you've got to attend to call-outs. Um, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think watch this space. Um, what else is there? Um, there's a VCAP matter that I put in um, for the uh, compensation under the Public Health and Wellbeing Act um, from the Secretary for a decision made by the uh, Chief Health Officer finally getting a, a VCAT hearing on that, but they've turned around and, and Department of Health has turned around and said that I need to drop it uh, because it will be wasting the, the tribunals and the uh, people involved's time because of two other matters that the tribunal has um, stuck up for the um, secretary, uh, abilities to refuse compensation and all that sort of stuff. So... I uh, need to have a read of the decisions and see if they are similar in the same way to mine um, and, and all that sort of stuff. So, but yeah, it'll, it'll be something that'll be interesting to to see. I mean, um, you, you know, you have to ask yourself at, at a point, you know, do you just keep swinging um, or do you just turn around and say, no, fuck it, man, it's all too hard and just let everything go. Now, it reminds me... Um, up on my back wall, I've got a, um, a print. I'll, I might include the tweet in the show notes from Bob Moran. Uh, he's uh, on Twitter, Bob's Cartoons. Now he is um, UK cartoonist. I think uh, I haven't seen one of his um, cartoons that haven't hit the mark um, for that. So hang on, he, he did one where it's just never stopped swinging. And it, um, where is it? Hang on. Um, anyway, it was a picture of a um, father holding his kid and sadly had um, um, 
killed a, a flying dragon. Um, I don't think dragons are that bad. Um, I think dragons are something that, you know, yeah, anyway. Um, where, anyway, I'll, I'll find it and I'll include it in the show notes. Um, and so, yeah, it was just that one never stopped swinging. Um, can't find it now. Um, but, yeah, if you're not following him on Twitter or social media, I recommend that you do do it because, as I've said, uh, so many of things his cartoons have hit the spot. Um, and, yeah, as I've said, he, I don't think he's he's failed to miss uh, at any time. And I can't believe I can't find it now. Um, anyway, anyway, I'm making an effort to find it and, and put it in the show notes. Um, but yeah, there, there's a couple of ones like, um, there's a, a knight in, in armor with his sword, uh, sitting on a rock while there's a dragon coming down, fire going everywhere and a lady's coming up and he's gone, fear not my lady, I'm signing another online petition, um, I think that just sums up everything. Let's just, you know, sign petitions. I think the time for that is gone. Um, we need to be uh, doing what we can to uh, to stop it. And that's, and I'm not talking about raising arms or anything like that. We need to do it by uh, peaceful means. However, that is whether that's um, constant engagement, whether that is um, continual letter writing and um, um, you know pushing um, um, what is it pushing pushing politicians, um, getting involved in it, becoming politically active. Um, something's bullshit about becoming politically aware and, and that's the thing is that you've got to educate yourself about um, politics and that it's, um, you know, not just, um, you know, not, not just the point where, oh, you know, I'm aware, hey, we'll vote for so-and-so and we'll vote for whatever and, and oh, you know, that person sounds good so we'll vote for them and, and, oh, no, that person's a libertarian. Let's vote for them. Well, <sighs> anyway, I'll have that big rant later on. Um, there we go. Holy shit. That's um, 24th of July. Um, uh, guys slayed the dragon. And he's got a, a baby in his arms and it just keeps swinging. So, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, do we keep going after setback, after setback? Um, hmm. Makes you wonder. I mean, you, you do have to ask yourself, like, at what point do you just turn around and say, no. Um, but that's the thing. I mean, do they put this in our way knowing that they will eventually get to us and wear us down where we will just comply um, for that? And, yeah, so I don't know, man. I think it's something that you've got to answer yourself. Um, if you're to the point where you just, going to comply, um, you know, I'm not having any cracks at you or anything like that, so, you know, we've all got our own 
um, individual circumstances. So what one group of people do or what one person does may not be um, suitable, the same as, as yours, may not be something that's similar to yours or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's something that, you know, what happens? What do we do? Do we just um, keep swinging? Do we turn around and, and oh, I don't know, man, do we just turn around and withdraw from society? Um, what do we do? Uh, but anyway, uh, for that. So anyway, I think I might leave it there, folks. Um, going to be, what's this one, episode 93. So there will be show notes on this on the um, Fifth Estate website. So that'll be the thefifth.estate uh, forward slash uh, episode 93. Um, I'll see if I can get 093. And I'm not sure if I got that, but look at episode 093 um, for that one. So there'll be show notes there and links and all that sort of stuff. Um, looking at actually getting that website up and running and, and doing some more stuff with that. So there might be some information on there for you to have a look at um, and everything like that. But yeah, it, it's a thing. Getting active with the website and, and doing more with it. So um, we'll just have to wait and see. I might, if I can get my finger out my bum and organise it over the next couple of days, I'll, I'll organise it uh, and then we'll see how we go from there. So anyway, um, thanks for listening, folks. Um, feel free to email me, um, what is it, contact at the fifth.estate or Cameron at the fifth estate or anything like that. Um, there will be, you can use contact form on the website to do it uh, and all that sort of stuff. So if you want to send me, uh, anything I've got a PGP key that you can just send a blank email asking for the PGP key and I'll respond with my public key and so hopefully you can do that um, or there is an encrypted um, uh, form on the contact page that you can have a chat through that way um, what else so yeah anyway that's about it folks um, thanks for listening and uh, look forward to having you joining me in the next one so until then bye for now Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fifth Estate, the news behind the headlines. Until the next episode of The Fifth Estate releases, we'd love for you to leave a review wherever you go to for quality podcasts. And we'll keep holding those in power in check.